Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose <laughs> podcast. As usual, Brett and I are, you know, just talking amongst ourselves before we press record. And usually it's about dumb things or funny jokes or movie quotes. So, but anyway, so uh, we are going to discuss, um, you know, a couple different things, but really it's going to be the idea of, of skill acquisition. And specifically, we're going to be talking about kettlebell swing, kettlebell deadlift single leg squat variations and and then push-up variations. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's uh, really interesting about learning these different exercises is uh, weight selection and load, because in certain situations, going too heavy is a bad idea. A lot of situations going too heavy is a bad idea, but there are some situations where if you don't go heavy enough, it's also a bad idea. And vice versa, if you go too light, then you're not going to get the feedback or the response that you're looking for. So you have to find that sweet spot. It's a, uh, it's like Goldilocks and the three bears, right? Not too hot, too cold, but just right. And, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today is how the load can quite often become the best teacher when it comes to movement execution, uh, movement execution and skill acquisition. So, um, we're going to dive right in Brett. And, um, before we do though, I want to hear some, some, some wisdom from me, not just information, Brett, but wisdom from Brett Jones right now. Let's hear it, buddy. Well, they say wisdom comes from experience, but you get experience from the bad decisions that you make. So uh, wisdom is usually hard, hard earned. So uh, two things we used to say a lot in the early days um, of um, teaching kettlebell certs. A, that's nothing a thousand swings won't fix. And B, that's nothing that a heavier bell won't fix. And, um, you know, there, there was a, a, a lot of, there was a lot of wisdom in, in those two comments. Um, cause I'm 22 years down the road of swinging a bell. And, um, cause I got my first bell in late Oh one and, um, I got certified in February of Oh two. So this coming year will be, you know, 22 years that I've been certified and, been swinging and using a, using a kettlebell and I'm still learning every time that I touch one. And there are definitely times where surfing that weight continuum and the load continuum is, is a super useful, uh, piece of the, the learning process. And, um, we usually run into two, uh, very opposite directions when people start training too light for too long too heavy right away like it just they the the road splits and people pick their fork and as yogi barrow said when you come to a fork in the road take it um and uh no no laughter no, no okay. i'm just i didn't know if there's something else funny after that that you're going with or just gonna just gonna leave it there you know i just, just I, I was waiting for the follow-up that's all i was waiting for the follow-up and there was none so none. um well just just continue yogi <laughs> So, you know, that that sort of uh, response where people either I'm going to go light until I get it right 
or I'm just going to go too heavy too soon. You know, there's a middle road and there, there is a continuum to surf within uh, doing uh, anything. And we're, we're going to break that down from both a body weight perspective and from a, a loaded perspective, arguably mainly talking about kettlebells. But um, it, it's probably where, um, honestly, it's probably where a lot of mistakes happen. And uh, a lot of people will blame the blame the program or blame their recovery or, you know, what, you know, they're, they didn't have enough of their recovery strategies that week. So obviously that's why whatever happened, sorry, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, snarky on recovery strategies for like the rest of my life. Um, you can, don't but, worry. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to send you a massage gun in the mail. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, that's the answer. That's, That's what I've been looking for. You have a massage gun deficit. That's right. Just like my Advil deficiency is why I'm sore. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, I used to love the fact in the early days when kettlebells were in kilos and nobody knew what kilos were here in the States. And you could send somebody over to pick up an eight or pick up a 12 or pick up a 16 and they're thinking pounds. So they pick it up and they they use it just fine. Uh, forms perfect. And they're like, yeah, that's 16 pounds. That that felt pretty good. I'm like, yeah, that was 35. They're like, what? I'm like, A, your purse weighs more than 16 pounds. B, uh, or your man bag uh, weighs more than 16 pounds. Um, it's a European carry-all. Uh, Seinfeld reference. Uh, but, you know, you, you could appropriately trick people into using a more appropriate load because they didn't understand the load. You know, a lot of our, a lot of our issues with load comes from our perception of that weight. You know, if you walk over to a suitcase and you don't know whether there's anything in it or not, and I say, Hey, there's a hundred pounds of gold in that uh, suitcase. Be careful when you pick it up, but it's empty. Uh, chances are you're going to throw it through the ceiling when you try <laughs> to pick it up. But if I say, Hey, that, that suitcase, can you go ahead and move that? It's, it's empty. I just want to move it from point A to point B and there's a hundred pounds in it probably going to hurt yourself when you, when you go to, to lose it. So our perception of the load has a lot to do with how we're going to interact with it. Well, and I think also too, for people that hashtag are new, wisdom, hashtag wisdom, um, hashtag man bag. We are actually coming out guys with a minimum <laughs> effective dose man bag. Um, it's going to have a picture of Brett and I on the front. It's going to be fantastic. And all of the attendees will get one. I'm just kidding. And if you ask for one, um, you're not going to get one. Um, but anywho, I totally lost track after the hashtag thing. Oh, load. That's it. Traditionally, people start off and they think I need to go light and then I need to go a little bit heavier and I need to go a little bit heavier. And that's sort of the progressive overload model, right? You think of like Milo of Croton, which is one of the best sort of uh, stories, if you will, about progressive overload. Um People think you start light and then you add a little bit. And that, to be honest, makes perfect sense until it doesn't. Until you, until you start training with kettlebells and you're like, actually, you need to go heavier. And people, for some reason, especially if they're new or maybe they're a little bit intimidated, they hear heavier and all of a sudden they're just like scared to death. And this is why it's important to understand why you pick a certain weight so you can you can tell the story so you can educate your client on, hey, look, if this is too light, it's not going to work for you. You're not going to be able to feel it and you're not going to be able to get any feedback. You know, it's like if I were to try to teach Brett, hey, Brett, I'm going to teach you how to deadlift with a four kilo kettlebell. He could do 9,000 variations of a deadlift with a four kilo kettlebell and get nothing out of it. 
But if I said, hey, Brett, I'm going to teach you how to use a 24 kilo kettlebell, right? He's going to get more feedback. Now, obviously that's, that's light for a bit, but my point being is the weight selection absolutely matters when it comes to the skill acquisition of your student. If you pick the wrong weight, you're doing it wrong. So you have to have a range, an idea. And that just really starts with, you know, obviously asking the right questions and if, if they've trained before and this and that, but um, understanding that how weight will impact movement is a necessary part of coaching and programming. And if you don't know that, then you need to save this podcast and listen to it a million times because we're going to save you a lot of time because, um, you know, teaching someone to swing with a four kilo, it won't work. It, I would honestly be surprised if it's ever worked. It's really good for paperweight and a doorstop and maybe some shoulder rehab, but it's not good for swinging. Well, and to use your, uh, one of your favorite sayings uh, of late, uh, don't hear what we're not saying. Uh, we didn't say go into the room and pick up the heaviest kettlebell you can. There is, of course, going to be a learning progression and it is okay to start light. But the job of a coach is to recognize that it's too light, that it's not giving the feedback that's needed in order to learn that motor program and you need to go heavier. And it's okay to do that in steps. Hey, if the person you're working with is like, I am, yeah, I'm really, I'm really scared to pick up that, that next size bell. Okay. Well, let's stay at this one for another session. Like it's, it's okay. But then I, the way I've always referred to it is if the, if the heaviest weight you lift is the heaviest weight you lift, it'll always feel heavy. So while the goal may be swings, maybe I'm doing uh, a deadlift to get used to that heavier weight. If the goal is to press it, maybe I row it first. Um, you know, it, you sneak that heavier weight into the program so that it's something that they've done before. Um, that heavier bell can be very intimidating uh, or that heavier weight, what it, whatever object you happen to be trying to lift. So I, I think there's a couple of strategies there um, as far as how we're going to progress to that appropriate load but knowing we need to get to that appropriate load because that's what's going to reinforce the motor program that we're trying to learn. Uh, you know, where I see this a lot is snatches. There's a cut point. And for, for a lot of guys, upwards of the 20 to 24 kilo, you can do any, there's a lot of different ways to snatch that 20 to 24 kilo. You make the transition to the 32. Now there's fewer options. There's only a couple of ways that things get in overhead effectively. And uh, the, the, the reps you grooved at that lighter weight, made because you were able to do 10 different things with it versus the one way that you're going to be able to snatch that heavier weight, uh, are, may not pay off in getting you to that heavier weight uh, with good form. So we see a lot of people who during a snatch test, um, you know, they'll, they'll stiff arm it and swing it to the top with the 20 kilo but then they're trying to snatch the 24 and they're getting banged up because that is not how you put a 24 overhead. See it with the ladies. They, they train a lot with the 12 kilo and then they need to do a snatch test with 16, but they're using the form that works at the 12 and it's banging them up and causing problems at the 16. So we've said for years um, in reference to the getup, don't do anything in the getup that you wouldn't do with the beast, the 48 kilo bell. So whether I'm doing a getup with an eight or whether I'm doing it again with a 48, I'm going to treat the eight like it's a 48. 
So the form and technique that I would use at that heavier weight is what I want to start learning at the lighter weights. Understanding to to what I believe you said earlier was a lot of different ways I can make that happen. Deadlifting a four kilo bell. Give me a 200 kilo uh, barbell. It's only a couple ways that that's going up. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, 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 and that's it. And that's just a part of coaching. And, um, this is stuff that I, again, wish someone sort of had told me, um, earlier on, but, um, it's really about the appropriate selection, the appropriate weight selection for that individual on that day, <laughs> because all of those factors are going to, to make an absolute difference, right? You have someone that's been training for eight weeks straight, never missed a session. They're going to be all right. What about someone that hasn't trained in eight weeks and it's their first session? So you're going to have to change the weight that you use because it's going to make a huge impact. We're not even going to talk about volume because that's another crazy thing to think about, but we have to choose a weight that is going to make you pay attention because look, I've been guilty of it too. I have a great workout. I'm like, I'm going to do one more set. And I get a little lackadaisical with something, or, you know, I don't pay attention or I go to pick something up that I know I can pick up very, very easily with quality technique, but I get lazy. And then all of a sudden, right. They're like, Oh, it was when I picked up that kettlebell, I just tweaked my back. It's like, well, the kettlebell didn't tweak your back. It's the fact that you weren't paying attention when you were lifting it. And that was the result. So you can't blame it on the kettlebell. You can just blame it on the way you're trying to move the kettlebell. And that's a big reason why people get jacked up to begin with. It's not the kettlebell's fault or the dumbbell, or the barbell. They're just, they're just there being heavy, man. Like if you move it wrong, that's, that's on you. And, and there's a reason why we try to teach people well, about kettlebells. And and we see that a lot when people go to pick up a weight to move it from point A to point B to use it. And when people finish a set, uh, I was working with a student the other day and um, they finished a beautiful set of deadlifts. And I said, okay, that's it. And they just kind of leaned over and set the bell three feet away from them. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. What was that? <laughs> Had another guy, I was, uh, another student I was working with, and you know they're moving the the. I said, you know, let's grab Bell X so that we can do a get up with it, and they just kind of leaned over, round back, and you know, just bad bad form, and and you know, grab the bell, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, you know how to deadlift, you you know exactly how you should be picking that up, and so, um, you know, in strong first, we like to say your setup is your first rep. Well, how you finish the set is your last rep and the, the, the party's not over until the bell's back on the ground, safe and secure. And how you do that matters a lot. And so moving, moving the conversation into the, into the body weight realm, and we'll, we'll circle back on, uh, on kettlebell, because I think there's a couple of, uh, pieces of wisdom, hashtag wisdom that we can drop into, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the latter part of the uh, the podcast, but body weight is really one of the most challenging things to program because uh, it usually runs one of two directions. And here we come to another fork in the road. So we're going, <laughs> Thank you. So we're going to so we're going to take the fork. Sorry, I, I see it. you didn't even wait for the punchline, Brett. That's forked up. <laughs> sorry, that was a bad. Sorry. That's a bad that was, dad joke. That was a that was a terrible dad joke. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna delete that when I edit this podcast later. Perfect. It's like the hours of research we put into this uh, edition of the podcast. So, uh, with body weight training, the the fork in the road there is either high rep, calisthenic sort of approach, 
with exercises that are easy enough to be done for high reps, or we're pursuing uh, max strength or gymnastic style max strength uh, efforts that are actually beyond your one RM. We're we're not even talking about you know you can't achieve a one arm push up, you can't achieve your first pull up. It's a hundred and thirty five percent one RM right now. Yeah. Well, how do you how do you exercise that? How do you how do you train a hundred and thirty percent one RM effort? And will the hundreds of repetitions of something that's so easy you can do it for hundreds of repetitions? Is that going to move the needle towards those max strength stuff? So that fork in the road is massive when it comes to bodyweight training. And what you have to be really good at in bodyweight training is manipulating load, internal and external. So if I get into a plank position with, and we'll use the FMS trunk stability pushup as an example. If I get into a standard pushup position with hands, you know, with that 90 degree elbow uh, at the bottom, and I do a hand release pushup where I'm on the ground, pick my hands up for a second and then do my pushup versus the FMS test for a three where my thumbs are all the way out at the forehead level. That difference in leverage matters <laughs> a lot. So and it's just like taking something overhead. Uh, people that are super comfy with a kettlebell down by their side for lunges are going to be challenged when you move that up into the rack position. And we'll challenge them again when we take them overhead. So where we place the load matters from an internal and external perspective. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, if we kind of follow the theme on, you know, let's say um, – we're talking about sort of lunges and single leg squats or whatever they are. Um, it's, it's one of those things where I think the biggest difference is skill and tension, right? Because like, if you ask me to get a training effect with just body weight lunges, like I would have to do a lot of those. And would I get sore? Yes, because there's a lot of uh, delayed onset muscle soreness because of the eccentric load from, from the lunges. That's probably not a good uh, uh, sort of a good exercise to use. But my point being is I would have to do a lot of volume to get a training effect where if I'm doing uh, a, a true pistol squat, I can do, you know, three by two, four by two. And and if I haven't been training it for a while, I could get a lot out of it. Right. And, and even if here's the thing about the pistol squat, right. And, and this is talking about how the load becomes a teacher. If you've ever taught, um, a goblet squat or a pistol squat, having a light kettlebell in your students' hands, whether it's the, again, goblet or um, a pistol squat is going to enable them to execute the movement due to the counterbalance. Now, look, when you look at a kettlebell, right? For some people, a 10 kilo kettlebell is going to allow them to get a pistol squat or a goblet squat far easier than a bodyweight squat. But again, people assume it goes body weight and then it goes a little bit of load and then it goes more load, but it does not work like that. So that's when you have to think, well, maybe adding more weight is the answer, even though it's probably not the answer that I was thinking about. So, I mean, I've taught, I've taught a lot of pistol squats, a lot of pistol squats to a lot of people. And 95% of the, I would say 99% of the time we achieve their first pistol with a light kettlebell by introducing external load. And then down the road, they're able to perform 
a true body weight squat or naked pistol, rather naked uh, body weight pistol or naked pistol, whatever you want to call it, without in an external load, because doing it without an external load is actually harder. And and if you know if if you're if your head's spinning right now, it should be because it doesn't make sense uh, from a logical standpoint. But that's the way that it works. Same thing with the goblet squat. Now. We teach goblet squats forever. You can use a goblet squat to, to pry your hips, to get that kettlebell away from you, to get a little bit more vertical, to get you to access the squat. It allows you to access the squat better. It'll clean up mechanics and you'll get stronger and you'll learn a ton about tension. But again, load matters because if you try to do a prying goblet squat with a 24 kilo and you've never done a squat, a squat you're going to fall on your face. You're going to fold over like a damn accordion. So it, it absolutely does matter, but you have to know what weight to use, how to teach it, when to apply it, not to mention the timing of how that move of the timing of how that implement moves during the various portions of the lift, whether it's, you know, on the, the concentric movement of the lift or the eccentric movement of the lift, what are you doing with the implement to enable you to perform that movement pattern better? So that's a big part of it as well. So it's, there's a lot that goes into it, guys. It's not just grab a lightweight and then add two kilos a week and hope it goes well. Yes. And so um, that change of center of mass, that change of center of gravity, that manipulation of internal load using an external load, um, you know, all of those ways that we manipulate uh, internal and external leverage um, are some key coaching points. And, you know, we're not, I'm not trying to give away, you know, or go into the every detail of how that's done. Go to the SFB. If you want to uh, understand manipulating bodyweight training uh, for max strength purposes to a high degree, um, taking that into the SFB would be uh, the, the way to go. Um, and to achieve that 130% 1RM effort, the thing you can't do, but you want to train to be able to do, um, yes, there's variations like, you know, I got from Mike some time ago that if you build a good single leg deadlift and you build a good airborne lunge, the chances of you being able to pull off a pistol are way higher. And the progression towards that first pistol is going to be much faster than if you're not practicing those two skills. So there are uh, special, there, there are specialized variety exercises that will help you achieve that 130% 1RM, that, that max effort thing that you can't do yet. Uh, but there's also ACE, artificially controlling the environment. So one-arm push-up, one of the best ways to get there, unload yourself with a band so that you can perform five perfect one-arm push-ups. With the form that you're going to use, this goes back to our kettlebell snatch conversation, with the form you're going to use to accomplish the one-arm push-up when you don't have a band on, aka get a coach <laughs> so that you know you're headed the right direction. But Unload yourself enough so that 130% 1RM becomes an 80% 1RM. Now you can train three by three, work towards five by five. When you can do five by five, decrease the amount of assistance, you're back to a three by three load and you're, you're continuing to manipulate that situation so that you can get to that 130% max effort. Or let's say you achieve your first one arm push up. And it, that's a true 1RM. Or you peaked for an event and you accomplished your first 1RM push-up. Doesn't mean you're always going to be able to do it. You might still be artificially controlling that environment, working on an elevation or using the band in order to be able to train that enough to where that previous 
one RM effort becomes an 80% effort. And you can do five unassisted one arm pushups, or you accomplish that first pull-up. You're like, oh, now I'm going to train all body weight pull-ups. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> because uh, when we look at, when you look at plan strong and you look at um, <clears throat> the way those training programs and are laid out, and this, this is kind of an across the board periodization conversation. When you're 91% plus, that's 10% of your training volume. It ain't much. So most of the training volume occurs between 70 to 80%. Um, and you visit 91% and above. When you try to train over 90% on a regular basis, danger, Will Robinson, danger. Um, you are headed for the cliff. There are no breaks and you are going over. So save yourself the trouble. And if you've peaked and accomplished that one RM effort, understand that that was a peak. And until that's an 80% effort, you're not going to spend time there training. Yeah. I mean, gosh, there's, there's a, uh, there's so much wisdom, hashtag wisdom um, hashtag. In, in that stuff. But I, you know, I think the other thing people don't really think about when it comes to percentages is percentages are really easy to figure out when you're dealing with a barbell. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's super easy to just like, Hey, you know, look, even if you don't pull a one RM, like you can kind of ballpark it based off of charts. Right. And, and look, for the most part, those aren't bad models to use unless you're powerlifting and you're competing to hit a one RM because what it's going to do is simply send you in a, a direction that is somewhat appropriate. Is it exact? No, it's not exact. I wish it was, but it's just going to get you into a starting point. But you know, the thing that people have to understand is when you are dealing with these high tension exercises like pistols and uh, you know, one arm, one leg pushups, the total amount of volume needs to be respected in the same way a heavy deadlift or a heavy squat would be. Right. Because you can easily fry your nervous system out with one arm, like one arm, one leg pushups or pistols. Um, ask me how I know <laughs> I did. Um, and it, this was dumb. I'll tell you right now, um, you know, the there's the, the 40 day workout, right, where you do the same the same exercises uh, for 40 training sessions, but you manipulate and vary the load. And and for me, for the beast tamer, it was a pull up pistol and um uh, pull up pistol and press. Right. And, uh, I did 40 training sessions and I actually have it on an old blog and I made a ton of progress. And I also made my orthopedic doctor a ton of money by doing multiple injections of cortisone shots in my shoulders. Seriously. And, and here's what I did is this was a 40 day approach and I was supposed to waive the load. But what did I do? I redlined just about every session. And when you try to do that with pistols and you try to hit like, even like, let's, for example, like a two by five pistol is a lot if you're not training pistols that often. And it's still a lot, even if you are training pistols a lot, because it's just 10 repetitions on single leg. I mean, it, it's a lot of work, but I was doing one by tens. I was doing two by fives, five, three twos. And guys, I screwed myself up along the way. Because I didn't respect, I didn't respect the sort of the optimal sets and reps for specific exercises because I didn't know any better. If you are doing true pistols where you have a kettlebell in your hand or it's body weight or even heavier, you have to pay attention to your total volume and you need to treat it like you would a 91% or higher load. 
because you're not doing a five by five at 91%. If you are, it's not 91%. So my point being is, is you need to, you absolutely need to vary and wave the load, but it's especially true when you're dealing with high tension based exercises, because if you don't, and you don't know how to regress those in a way that is going to truly waive the load and, and it's going to allow your nervous system to have those recovery days due to the wavering of the load, you're just going to redline yourself and you're going to hurt yourself because I've done it. I've done it so many times and it's not worth it. So, you know, the, the, the key is truly understanding like how much tension goes into those true gymnastics based exercises versus lunges and, and body weight squats and everything else. Because if you don't have a good idea of what that looks like, then you need to really think about, you know, your programming in general, because you're going to hurt yourself and a lot of other people. 100%. And it's hard to think of body weight training from a percentage standpoint. We usually don't bring that mindset with us. Um, it's either you can or you can't. And if you can, you do a few hundred reps of it. And if you can't, well, you just struggle till you can. But if you start bringing some more intelligent training, uh, if you start artificially controlling the environment, if you manipulate internal, external load, you change center of mass. Um, there's some really intelligent ways to make body weight training way more progressive, way more accessible, and build strength, max strength um, with body weight training. And, you know, circling back on the, uh, on the, the kettlebell conversation and a couple of the early comments, you know, it's nothing a thousand swings won't fix and it's nothing a heavier kettlebell won't fix. Um, and I, maybe I've said this before, but it bears repeating, um, with a newer student, I'm going to check bulletproof and progress your form with a heavier weight with an experienced student. I'm going to give you a lightweight. I'll take somebody that can swing a 40 kilo with one hand, you know, maybe they're training for sinister and I'm going to give them a 12 and I want to see a swing, you know, and people will say, well, that's too light. Well, then you don't know the movement. I mean, quite frankly, um, you know, I can, there's a 16 kilo behind me. I can grab that and demonstrate what I would argue is pretty good form on uh, any of the exercises that I can use a 36 or a 40 with. You challenge the form of an experienced person by going lighter. And there's a lot to be learned, just like this new student is going to learn a lot by that next increase in load, challenging their technique and motor pattern. Decreasing the load on an experienced student is going to have somewhat uh, the same effect because now you have to actually kind of own the pattern in a different way. Now the load isn't teaching you. Now you have to actually have the motor pattern ingrained and be able to pull it off, whether it's an eight kilo or 48 kilo. Well, you know, a big part of it is people, strong people do tension real well. You get a strong person that needs to zip up and lift something heavy over and over again. That's their wheelhouse. But a lot of the times you ask them to not use max tension and probe the same thing. they almost don't know what to do. They almost, they're only sort of their only motor program, if you will, for swinging a kettlebell is aggressive and heavy. And don't get me wrong. There's, there's a time and place for that. Absolutely. But at the same time, um, if you truly want to um, own the movement, you're going to have to perform it at different weights and at different speeds. Don't hear what we're Absolutely. not saying now. We're not saying do a bunch of super slow motion swings or eccentric overload everybody. But again, it's just, just changing the variables 
that will enable you to learn a little bit more, right? And that's just a big part about it. But, you know, I think the underlying factor with a lot of this body weight stuff is um, if you want to get super strong with, with the pistol or the push-up or any of these sort of higher level things, there is there is a skill acquisition component in which takes time and it takes patience. And um, we all know a good pistol when we see one. We all know a good press or a good push-up when we see one. Um, don't be in a rush to try to nail these things prematurely um, because if you rush the process with load and with maybe banging up against some movement competency that you don't have, um, pistols and one-arm push-ups will expose movement asymmetries and, and significant imbalances a little bit quicker because they're simply not as forgiving just due to the nature of the exercises and the technicality that goes with it. So that's another thing that people need to really, truly consider is, is, uh, it's not just about exercising at this point. It's about learning a language of strength and learning the skill of strength. They should own a, they should call the gym skill of strength. Hashtag skill of strength. Hashtags, hashtags, uh, <laughs> too many hashtags. Hashtag, hashtag. <laughs> but anyways, um, we're getting to the point where we're blabbing, but um, Brett, closing thoughts on how the load um, becomes the teacher, my friend. Well, just that. The load does become the teacher. How are you manipulating internal load, external load? How are you manipulating the center of mass? Um, are you progressing in a way that uh, a heavier belt is going to teach you and reinforce and bulletproof your form? Are you in a position as an experienced student where maybe you haven't visited those lighter weights um, in a while? Um, load is something that should be surfed um, on a regular basis. Um, the, I go, I go back to this saying from my first kettlebell cert with Pavel back in 02, um, only the mediocre are at their best all the time. I love it. I love it. Um, we're going to end it with that, Brett, cause that was fantastic. All Hashtag right, friends. Wisdom. Hashtags with them. Um, and if you, we're going to put that on everything now. Um, <laughs> Honestly, guys, uh, we appreciate you guys. You know, this is something that was a, you know, a fun topic for us to discuss. And um, it, it's just a big part of, of coaching. And if you train with kettlebells and that's something that you love to do, um, you need to know this stuff. Um, and this is this is for the for the strong first people that follow us and for the kettlebell people that follow us. This is one you're going to want to listen to a few times because it, it will change the way that you look at programming and teaching and skill acquisition because it's going to make a significant difference. So, um, look, if you like this episode or you liked our podcast, do us a huge favor and give us a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to. Or you can send it to a bunch of friends, four, five, seven, eight thousand friends of yours and, and you know. Just, just keep, you know, passing that torch and uh, we can go from there. But honestly, guys, we do appreciate you guys. Uh, leave us some positive reviews if you can. And uh, we're going to see you guys on the next episode. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.